The Retirement and IRA Show represents the words and views of the show hosts exclusively and should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical in nature and is not indicative of any future results. Any indices mentioned on the show are unmanaged and cannot be invested indirectly. Diversification and asset allocation strategies do not assure profit or protect against loss. Never make any investment or financial decisions based on information offered on this show without first consulting your financial, legal, or tax advisor. Financial planning services offered through Jim Solnier and Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor. This is the Retirement and IRA Show coming to you from beautiful northern Colorado. Join us as certified financial planner Jim Saunier, as well as Colorado State University finance instructor and certified financial planner Chris Stein, teach you about IRAs, 401ks, annuities, social security, pension plans, and estate planning in a fun and enjoyable show. Whether you are listening live in Colorado or streaming from their website or iTunes podcast, Jim and Chris want you to know that they're available to help you plan for your retirement. Just visit their website at jimhelps.com. That's jim, H-E-L-P-S dot com. And click the Meet the Team button on the homepage. Now here's Jim and Chris with today's show. Welcome back to the Retirement and IRA Show Q&A edition. Got a whole pile of questions lined up for everybody here. Um, We are recording this a bit earlier than the uh, play time than we normally would do. So if anything shocking has happened in the world and we don't mention it, that's probably why. Um, We're recording this a full week before it's going to air, so... Had to do that to accommodate some travel schedule for for Jim. But uh, other than that, you should not notice anything odd about this show (laughs) compared to a regular Q&A show. So um, other than Jim or I might accidentally make a reference to to something that we just talked about when, in fact, it was actually a week ago. So uh, if you forgive us that, then we're ready to go here. So, Jim, uh, I know you've got a couple of Social Security questions to start with, but uh, I'm happy to go whatever direction you want to go. Well, well, I think you did a good job to let everyone know that this is a little bizarre. We're recording this show a week earlier, mostly to accommodate me, not Chris. Uh, as you should know by now, I am actually, by the time you listen to this, I will probably be flying to or already in Massachusetts, that I originally flew to Washington, D.C. and spent a couple of days studying with the Ed Slot Group. I'm hoping, Chris, that I'll be able to report next week that we spent copious amounts of time on Secure Act 2, I'll I'll really be ticked off if they just spend uh, an hour or two on it. We're going to be there for 16 hours. I want at least eight of those on Secure 2. That's pushing it. They probably won't give us eight, but at least four or five uh, on Secure 2 because I want to dedicate a couple of shows to Secure 2. And everyone listening to this, uh, I'm on my way back soon. If you have Secure Act 2 questions, Send them to me, but in the subject line, put Secure Act 2 or Secure 2 or just the word secure so I can find it because I want to dedicate a couple of Q&A shows. If we get enough questions on Secure Act 2, I'd like to dedicate a couple of Q&A shows to Secure Act 2 as well as giving my update that we got from the Ed Slot group. Uh, Anyway, so that's why we're recording early. I'm at Ed Slot And then I'm flying to Massachusetts to see my dad. He's in assisted living now. I shared that with people. And uh, I'm going to stay with my mom for a couple of days. And then I'm flying to Kansas City 
for the Kansas City Estate Planning Council meeting, two days of geeking out on estate planning. I, I have no idea, Chris, why I just am fascinating with estate planning. <laughs> I, I sometimes regret, you know, I was a cop for, for years and then got into financial planning. I wish I went to law school uh, as well, especially before resigning as a cop. Uh, that I had gone to law school to become a lawyer and then got into financial planning mm. because I definitely would have been an estate planner and financial planner. I, I wouldn't have wanted to have been just an attorney, but um, I'm fascinated with estate planning and not just for the uber wealthy folks. I, I told you when I go to the AICPA meetings and I sit in in the, the ultra high net worth, people with 40 million or more of assets and they start getting into strategies that people with 40, 50, 100, mm -hmm. 200, 300 million of assets, you quickly realize, folks, those people pay no taxes. Those people pay no damn taxes. Paying high-priced attorneys and CPAs to protect them from taxes right. is far cheaper for them than paying the damn taxes. So that's why they do it. I want to do estate planning for the masses, for the people who listen to this show, who most of them have probably net worths that, that we feel uh, of a couple of million dollars, between two and eight million dollars, most of the people who contact us have. But that doesn't mean we ignore nor don't work with people with significantly less than assets. And everyone needs some version of estate planning, especially if you live in states with estate taxes uh, that are very, very low limits. So anyways, Chris, I just kind of geek out on that. So I will be in Kansas. And if, if hopefully I'll learn something interesting, like I did last year, I came back with a couple of tidbits. And I think we dedicated one or two EDU shows to all the things that made me go, hmm, during these meetings, I'll freely concede, I go to the meetings, and I'm lost on a lot of what they're saying, folks. And they're talking in attorney speak, <laughs> using all these words, <laughs> Yeah, that they and all understand. Yeah, they, they all they all get. And then when they find out I'm not an attorney, they kind of look at you like, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah, uh, I like this stuff. And uh, anyways, it's it's different. It's 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 a unique kind of thing that I, I go to. And so anyways, that's why I'm not in the office. And that's why we're trying to get all this stuff done. OK, let's jump into the Social Security questions that we we like to lead with. And I have two this time. This person did not give a hint for the state they live in. Mm -hmm. So I found my own hint. Mm. So I googled, the, I googled the state mm -hmm. and then I googled the word trivia after it. And a bunch of cool questions popped up for this state. So I am going to say a county in this Wait a state. Minute. I'm just... We're getting down to the county level now? It's the hint. Let me read the damn hint first, okay. and then you can complain about it. For those who don't know what we're doing, we're playing Stump the Professor. <laughs> I give a, hopefully people give me, so I don't have to Google it, a hint. And give me the answer. A few people didn't, and I had to actually Google to figure out what state it was. And then I test Chris to see if he can guess the state that the person asking this question is in. This person is in a state that has a county that is the Christmas tree capital of the world. A county that's the Christmas tree capital. Like, 
I wonder if that means they have a lot of trees and they harvest them or they put up a lot of trees. I don't understand. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm guessing the, the, uh, form of the, the, it's like what you said originally, the, they the have, they grow a lot of trees. trees. That's what, that's what I'm guessing. I didn't think that, that they put up a bunch of trees. I thought they grew a bunch. Wow. Boy. <laughs> you got a one out of 50 chance. Actually, one out of 49, because oh, you know it ain't Hawaii. Yeah. Um, Minnesota. See, I would have gone with that. I would have went upper Midwest. Yeah, I was originally thinking Wisconsin, but then I'm like, well, Minnesota has a lot more trees, I believe. I, I would have definitely put it in the upper Midwest somewhere along the Great Lakes, because that's just the yeah. areas that I think of. Yeah. Uh, the county in question, folks, is Indiana County, and it's not Indiana; it's Pennsylvania. Really? Yep. Maybe that must be where all the population centers back east get their trees from. So they harvest a bunch. Of, uh, that's interesting. I never would have. I, I never would have thought of Pennsylvania. But congratulations, Pennsylvania, for being the Christmas tree capital of the world. Well, Indiana County, the Christmas tree oh. capital of the world. Well, yeah, more specifically, great. Okay, the question begins. Hi, Jim. I hope all is well. Should have been actually, hi, Chris. I hope all is well, because he's the one answering your question. I have a quick question regarding Social Security survivor benefits. If my husband has taken Social Security early at age 62, will my survivor benefits get reduced if I am over age 70? I know you spoke about this this one question on the podcast, but I cannot remember the answer. He says it does not get reduced, and I would get what his full retirement benefit that we he would have received if he retired at his full retirement age. Mm-hmm. Thank you in advance. So who's right, hubby or wifey? Well, there's two reductions to benefits we need to discuss here. Uh, the first one, the more obvious one, is I think what she was alluding to when she claimed, you know, if I, if if she's over seventy when she receives the survivor benefit, will the survivor benefit be reduced? It won't be reduced due to her age, because she will have reached her full retirement age. Uh, if you have a deceased spouse prior to your full retirement age, and you claim your survivor benefit that can reduce the benefit that you would otherwise receive because you are claiming it before your full retirement age. She's clearly going to be over that because she's in her hypothetical. um, She's over 70. So no reduction because of her age. However, he claimed his social security at 62 and depending on his full retirement age, the reduction there would be between 25 and 30% of what he otherwise would have received had he claimed at his full retirement age. The comment from him is not correct. And that's because by default, so the standard for survivor benefits is the survivor will collect whatever the spouse who just passed away was collecting or could have collected had they not claimed yet if they collected the night before they died. He obviously has been collecting, so but he collected at 62, which was this reduced benefit. So the standard is she's just going to 
step into his shoes and collect what he was collecting. In other words, his age 62 benefit. But there's a gotcha. There's a little extra thing that is going to help a lot, but it's not going to help the way he's described because what he described is not right. She will not step in and then magically get his full retirement age benefit. But she also won't get all the harm of him claiming at 62. The reason is due to a rule called the widow's limit or technically the RIBLIM. RIB stands for Retirement Insurance Benefit, and LIM is what they shortened limit to be. So what this is meant to do is to protect a widow or widower, a survivor, from a spouse who claimed too early and now died. When I say too early, they claimed early, thus reducing their benefit, passing on that early claiming reduction to their widow who's now obviously in a bad position because they've lost their spouse. So they created this special rule which will help limit, that's the LIM part of this, the amount of downside reduction that the survivor will experience if the deceased person had claimed early. Uh, The rule is a little complicated, but to summarize, it essentially says that the maximum reduction from their full retirement age benefit will be no more than 17.5%. So remember what I said before, by him claiming at 62, he reduced his full retirement age benefit by 25 to 30%. That normally would just be passed on to her as a survivor benefit with that full reduction. But because of this special rule, the RIB-LIM rule, that will limit the downside reduction So to 17.5. What it won't do is restore her up to the full PIA or full retirement age benefit that he would have gotten had he waited until his full retirement age. That's what he's claiming happens, and that is not true. It's essentially, in her case, probably going to reduce the reduction by about half. So she'll get some of it back when he passes away, but it will not bump up to his full retirement age benefit. So if you're wanting to look into this, what you're looking for is the Social Security R-I-B, like B as in boy, L-I-M, M as in Mary, rule. And you can read all about it. I would go directly to the Social Security website or some other trusted source because there's a lot of people who misinterpret how this works. But um, yeah, that's this was an interesting one because we haven't talked about the R-I-B, L-I-M in quite a while. It has come up on the show before. We've touched on almost everything regarding life, it seems, on the show, because the show's been going for so long. But um, uh, So we have talked about this, but it's not doesn't happen to many people, doesn't affect many people, um, and uh, doesn't come up a whole lot. So um, I'm happy to see this one come through, because it allowed me to address that, uh, bring that up to people's attention. It's, it's good news for her, but not as good as what, is, what her husband is claiming. I have to say... <laughs> I don't know why I'm about to share this, but Uh-oh. it's the way my mind works sometimes. I think your answer was excellent, but now I have to cuss you out for putting one of those earworms in my head. Uh-oh. You said the R-I-B-L-I-M? Mm-hmm. M-O-U-S-E is all that's going through my R-I-B-L-I-M. head right R-I-B-L-I-M. <laughs> M O U because as you said it, I was like R I B. We'll be right back. R I M. May you be with us. M O U S E. Yeah. No. We got to start stop Thank recording you. these on Fridays. 
<laughs> we get a little bit loony on Fridays. But anyways, folks, that's how my brain works. Okay, next social security question. They also did not give a state hint, but this wonderful thing called Google got me some good hints okay. for you. And again, one, one that made me scratch my head. Okay, so this state, <clears throat> excuse me, this state, their state insect is the praying mantis, and their state flower is the mountain laurel. Georgia. Nope. It's a state that I don't even know has a damn mountain or not. I would assume it does, especially in the western part of the state. Connecticut. There's a lot it's of not a praying mantis in Connecticut. That's surprising. I, I thought it would have to be more humid down south and warmer for praying mantis. I'm fixating more huh. on the mountain laurel. <laughs> It's not a state that I would think well, of mountains. I don't harm, I, I'm not that surprised because people back east, before they discovered the west, used True. to talk about the mountains, right? And yes, I admit you got some hills back there. But when you see actual mountains, <laughs> it's, it's a whole different deal. So they call a lot of stuff mountain, right? Uh, okay. There, All right. Well, so. I'll concede that. But uh, Connecticut, praying mantis and mountain laurel. Okay, ba, 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 ba. here we go. Dear Jim and Chris, my husband's birthday is September. You might, I don't know if you need to write any of these dates down. As soon as they start giving that detail, I get out my pen and start writing. <laughs> gotcha. My husband's birthday is September 4th, 1956. He applied online for Social Security benefits and checked the box that he wanted benefits to start at his full retirement age. He received his first payment this month. Let me get you the month that they sent this to us. I think this is a more recent question. February. So <clears throat> this month being February. But, 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 but. He received his first payment this month, which is February, for the January 2023 benefit. Mm -hmm. Is this correct? He turned 66 and four months on January 4th. Mm -hmm. So does he receive the first benefit payment in February, which is for January, even though he wasn't 66 and four months until January 4th? We really need to do this on YouTube to write this all out. It's hard to follow. I am going to wait until 70 to claim. And my birthday is February 26, 1956. Should my first benefit payment be made in March for February, even though I turned 70 on the 26th? Or will my first payment be in April for March, the first full month that I am 70 years old for the entire month? Thanks, as always, for your help. Kind of hot to follow, but you could probably walk. Them yeah, but I know why the on. question is being asked is there's another, you know, this is another one of those things about Social Security that you read a little bit about it. And oftentimes it just confuses you more and leads you down the wrong path from where you really want to be with Social Security. So uh, before I answer directly, let me lay out a couple rules about Social Security. 
the first month of eligibility where you can actually claim Social Security, your retirement benefits, so we're talking about straightforward retirement benefits from Social Security, is the first month in which you were 62 years old the entire month. Okay? So if you were born on the 15th of the month, the first month that you're 62 is going to be the year in which you turn 62, but the month after your birthday. That'll be true for every day of the month, except, and there's another weird rule, if you were born on the first of the month, you are considered born on the last day of the previous month. So if you happen to be born on the first of the month, you turn 62 for eligibility for first months of retirement for Social Security in the month you turn 62. Everybody else born on the second all the way through the end, the first month they can claim is actually the month after that they are 62. So there's this rule out there that you have to be 62 the entire month for you to get benefits that month. That rule lingers on in people's minds about other months. That only applies to the month in which you turn 62. Every other trigger about when you can claim, what your benefit's going to be, what the reduction for claiming early is going to be, is based on your actual birth month. So in his case, he was born on September 4th, which she was correct. Being born in 1956, his full retirement age is 66 and four months, which would put him January 4th of 1956. He won't be 66 and four months the whole month, but that doesn't matter. That rule about being that age the entire month only applies to the month that you're turning 62. That's it. After that, it's all about, did you, you know, were you that age in that month, any day during that month? Okay, we're going to count it. So they were exactly correct. They started his benefit in the month he turned 66 and four months, which was January. And we all know now uh, that if you receive a benefit for January, it's paid in February because they pay you a month in arrears, which answers also her question. When she turns 70, which will be on the 26th of February in the month that she turns 70, will she get a benefit? Will she be able to claim her age 70 benefit that month, or does she have to wait till next month because of this being that age the whole month thing? Nope, I've already answered that. No. She will be able to claim her age 70 benefit in February, receiving her maximum benefit payable then in March because she'll receive a February payment which is uh, actually paid one month in arrears in March. So those of you who have this thing in your mind about being a certain age for Social Security the entire month, that only applies to the first month that you're eligible. Why? I don't know. That's just the rule. I don't know why they made that weird exception for age 62. That was just how it was written, how it got interpreted over time. The rules and regulations came out and said, this is how we're going to apply it. There was a, an, an old, old court case where people that were born on the first, a month, first day of the month argued that they had reached that age by that day, and to, the courts came down and de- determined, okay, so that we can you know, not have any confusion over this and start talking about what hour in the day you were born and weird things like that, let's just consider people born on the first of the month having reached that age fully that day, and so we'll consider you being born the day before 
for purposes of a measurement like this age 62 trigger. Uh, for everybody else, it doesn't matter, right? For everybody else, um, it, it you know it just plays by that standard rule. So turning 62 in a month, you might have to worry about this. Turning it, uh, any other age, 62 in one month, two months, three months, and beyond, don't have to worry about being that age the whole month. It's more, are you turning that age that month at any time, even if it's the last day of the month? If you were born on, on uh, January 31st and you were claiming they would consider you eligible for a benefit for January, even if you were only born that very last day of the month. It's just how it works. So interesting question. Glad we got to bring that up. We've talked about the 62 thing. It's also been a long time. So just like the R-I-B-L-I-M thing, that being 62 the entire month um, hasn't come up for a while. So th- this is a great question. We, you know, reminds us we need to talk about these things every once in a while. And here you go. And hopefully that clarified that uh, situation for them. All righty. Excellent. Excellent. That's why you answer all the social security questions and I don't. Okay. This next one, folks, I kind of wanted to jump to this one. It is definitely the new question of the week. Not only because this man is brilliant, because uh, you'll, you'll see, you'll okay. see why I call him brilliant, nice. but I do want to throw him under the bus before we even start. Mm. I just told him he's brilliant, which you will clearly see he is. He uh, gave probably, he, he was giving you a softball on the hint, the, the state hint. I mean, there's just no other way. It's perfect because I'm, I'm blowing it today on the, on the hints. <laughs> You're 0 for 2. You're going to get everyone, everybody listening to this is going to get this hint. Mm. It's that easy. And if you don't, take your right hand, hold it up, put it behind your head, and slap. Because you should get this answer. Or you were educated in the public school system, one or the other. All right, that was just a dig. I'm kidding, folks. All righty. I live in the great state of 10,000 lakes. Hmm. And don't you even pretend this is hard for you to figure out. (laughs) Don't you say, um, if you lead with, um. No, I'm not going to. I've already answered this state once today. Now I'm going to get it right. (laughs) Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. So, So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that that worked out. Just they're not the capital of the world of Christmas trees. (laughs) <laughs> you figure they would be with all those lakes watering the trees would There's be real inexpensive yeah yeah yeah, so. yeah really expensive okay. all right this one is a really cute not cute but just uh i could run with this for an hour or more but i'm not going there used to. to be a really sharp person by the way a really sharp listener that would write in periodically from duluth in minnesota since you say yes, they're brilliant yes. is this that same person uh do they say anything about I don't think so. He didn't mm, recognize. Okay. Um, if you're still out there, we remember your, remember your excellent questions, uh, listener from Duluth that used to send in questions. He used to regularly. call the radio oh, station. That's true. We, yeah. we used to do mm-hmm. it, yep. folks. But this is how mm-hmm. long Chris and I have been together. We, this is our 15th anniversary, and he's taken me to Hawaii in honor of it. I'm very <laughs> uh, very touched by that. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll broadcast live from the beach in Hawaii. I'm sure. But when we used to do this, when we first started, it was a live show every Saturday morning out of Greeley, Colorado. And um, it used to be a half hour. Then we went to an hour. Then we went to two hours. And just by chance, a, a admin we had at the time named Joe, uh, 
suggested because the radio station could not put the recordings. We had the recordings of the show, but they couldn't post them, believe it or not, on their website. This is how 15 years ago we take for granted today. And the iPhone one had just come out and she had mentioned to me this concept called podcasting. And she said, well, if you, if you put it on Apple, iTunes, and I didn't even know what the hell iTunes was back then or anything. Joe figured it all out for us. And um, she said, if you put it on, people can listen when they want. And I thought that is so radical. And we put it on a podcast and people from all over the country found us through that. And they knew we broadcasted live. And you could, I don't know if you still can now, I would assume you can, you could go to the radio station's website and listen live as we were broadcasting. Remember all mm -hmm. that? Yep. And we would get listeners from all over the country calling in. It was, it was the bizarrest thing. We take it for granted now, but 10, 12 years ago, this was all radical and new. And we did have a listener from Duluth. Mm -hmm. And um, it always made me think of that... I don't think it was a Eddie Vedder song. I think it was um, Kurt Cobain. Who who did he? The sad the, the gentleman who killed himself. That young mm -hmm. singer, that rock singer. Yes, yeah, Kurt Cobain himself. did. Yeah, but what was his group? Um, oh, now you're making us all look stupid. <laughs> um, Nirvana. Nirvana. Yeah. There, there was a song that he sang that had to do with a woman from Duluth. And that's, I always thought of that, that Nirvana song. I can't think of what it is now. But uh, just Google Nirvana, Duluth, lyric. It, it'll pop up. We'll figure out what song it was. But there's a, 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 a thing in there uh, from someone from Duluth. I always remembered that. Okay, so it begins. Here's the question, new question of the week. Love your show. And here's why this man is brilliant, folks. <laughs> Particularly Jim, the selector of the question of the week. Smiley, happy face. Hmm. See, Clearly, I, I trust that he wrote that. You know, sometimes when you say those things that praise you in some way, you're clearly making it up on the fly. But this one, this one is. Oh, this one's this real. One's real. This, one's yeah, real. <laughs> this one's real. <laughs> That's why I said this man is clearly, clearly brilliant. I enjoy your podcast each week, mostly via my car commute, and have been listening for the last couple of years. Here's something interesting, he says, Chris, and I have no idea that this even exists, and we were on it. I found your podcast on a best financial podcast list. It said you two were not only very informative, but also very funny. Hmm. And I must say, both of those are true. Do you have any idea? I didn't even know we were on a list. We're probably on more lists than you want to know, but most lists people don't want to admit to. <laughs> you think this podcast is on like English as a second language list? <laughs> Listen to them. They're yeah. going to teach, Jim is going to teach you all you need to know about the English yeah. language. He's, he, he mastered he's a master. it. Yeah. He's, he's like a sensei of, of, he's a judo specialist of the English language. All right. Despite all that education and knowing the rules quite well, I woke up at 2 a.m. on tax day. Folks, this mm. came in. We're recording this, and you're listening to this a week after we recorded it. We're recording this question literally three days after tax three day. Three days after tax day, right. Mm -hmm. 
follow this Chris because we got to edumacate this gentleman. Mm. And I know, folks, I pronounced that wrong. That was a joke on my English as a second language. Okay. I woke up at 2 a.m. on tax day and realized my partner's adjusted gross income. To, to wake up at 2 in the morning on tax day thinking this, mm-hmm. this guy's got to be an engineer. I woke up at 2 in the morning on tax day and realized my partner's adjusted gross income had gone over the Roth IRA contribution limit for 2022. She contributed in January of 2022. But I realized due to Roth conversions she later did in 2022, her income exceeded the contribution limit. Mm. In a a panic, I got up and found the recharacterization form for the Roth IRA custodian and immediately requested the 2022 contribution be recharacterized into a traditional IRA. Mm. There's a lot we have to say here, Chris. Don't start saying it yet. On a bit of a side note, I got to say, the cheap tax software program I used never even flagged that her income exceeded the contribution limits. I know why the software didn't do that, listener, as we'll get to in a second. I have found a lot of information on what to do with an excess contribution. You can recharacterize it or you can withdraw it. However, I have found nothing on how to choose what's the best option between the two. Since we are planning more Roth conversions in 2023, I need to start doing some planning now because she has already contributed to her 2023 Roth and we want to do more conversions. She is single and files single. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I don't know. Well, I want to be the, the deliverer first, of the good news. Um, the good news, the listener. The good news, though, is going to make him feel bad, though. <laughs> yes. So here's the thing. First of all, never get up at 2 in the morning thinking taxes. <laughs> yeah, and file Please. anything. Right. And, and, and immediately jump yeah. out. The, I got this vision of... Um, the night before Christmas, when it begins that he, you know, heard a clamor and he immediately got up right. and ran to the window. Yeah. And I just and picture this guy. With, <laughs> <laughs> I picture him getting up and he's got that hat from Victorian uh-huh. times on, that little sleep hat uh-huh. on yeah, that you to, see all the cold. time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Yeah. And he's running to his computer to, little, to fix. The little oil candle or the little candle. In the, right. <laughs> all right. Uh, Here's the rule, folks, for everybody. Roth conversions do not count against the AGI limits for Roth contributions. Correct. Think of it, folks. The government wants you to convert. Why? They're sick individuals, and they spend money like drunk sailors on shore leave. 
and they need taxes and they don't mind screwing future politicians on trillions of dollars of tax-free money in Roths, which is great for us, us not being Chris and I, but everyone listening to this podcast. So they want you to convert. Mm -hmm. If they said, hey, conversions count against your contribution limits, people might not convert mm -hmm. or they would only convert up to the limit. Yep. They want you to convert as much as you can so they can get tax money yep. now. Yep. So there was no need to jump out of bed and burst to the window and look out and all that stuff from, from the night before mm -hmm. Christmas that I wish I knew yep. so I could turn this into a funny little story. But you didn't need to do that. So yep. for 2023 that you shared with us, for 2023, your girlfriend or partner, she doesn't need to do anything. Her conversions will not apply. Now, if her other income sources pushes her over, then yes, you're going to have to take care of it. You had, listener, till October 15th. That's why I'm saying you didn't need to burst out of bed and run to your computer and get the form. And I would assume, you, I hope you didn't wake her up in the middle of the night and say, here, electronically sign this. Well, now you need to be make sure she's asleep and whisper th that you screwed this up <laughs> so that she doesn't <laughs> hear it. Because <laughs> now she's got basis in her IRA. <laughs> so. so I was going to get into all yeah. of that. Uh, and we're not poking fun at you, listener, at all. Yeah. We, we're trying to help. So don't. that's why we tell everyone, don't panic. Don't panic at 2 in the morning. Get your ducks in a row first. Yeah. Uh, and then straighten it out. There was no need to rush. You had. He even asks that mm -hmm. at the end. Bum, 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 bum. My, the 2022 tax return has now been filed. What paperwork should I know to do with the IRS on the recharacterization? And let me ask, did I actually have until October 15th to do this? Or did I need mm -hmm. to get it done on October 18th, tax day? April 18th. A April 18th, yeah. tax day. You had until October 15th, yeah. but you didn't even have to do it. Right. So what and maybe I, he could undo it. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. I would get a hold. I have your girlfriend. You can't do this for her. It's in her name. Get a hold of the custodian and try to have them pull it if they haven't done it yet. The next thing I'm going to do, because I have never been faced with this, can you recharacterize a recharacterization a, you didn't want to recharacterize? Yeah. I yeah. will get a hold of the big guy himself. I'll be with him. But, mm -hmm. Well, actually, by time this is playing, I'll have, had, I'll have the answer. Um, maybe I can try to get you the answer and you can opine on the show you're going to do alone about clearing this up. Because here's what he did, folks, in a state of panic – he had his, he doesn't say, uh, let's just assume she contributed the full amount. So it's mm -hmm. not a massive amount of money. Seven, is it 7,000 now? Depends on the age. Yeah. Over, I would assume they're over 59 and a half, but I have no idea. Has 50? it been raised to seven and a half? It's 50, not 59 and a half. And oh, for the, it's yeah, now 7,500 with the ketchup. Okay. So I don't know if his girlfriend is over 50 or under 50. So she would have been allowed to, to put in, uh, well, we're talking 2022. They, did they raise it in 2022? Was it seven and a half in 22? Um, 22, I th uh, now you're, 
No, no I'm screwing so you. So twenty three is when it it went it bumped up the five hundred dollars in twenty three. Okay, uh, I was so pretty his sure. Girl- that, yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. His girlfriend either put in six thousand because she's under fifty, mm-hmm. or seven thousand because she's over fifty. So it's not massive dollar amounts we're talking mm-hmm. here. But get a hold of the custodian first and see if they completed the recharacterization that you requested. Hopefully, they can pull it and it wasn't done. Right. I will find out if she can now recharacterize a recharacterization. Because when you recharacterize, the IRS treats it as if her original contribution, right. which was done in January of 2022, they treat it as if it was originally put into her IRA right. in January of 2022. Yep. So I don't see why we couldn't, but I'm not 100% sure because I've yeah. never been faced with <clears> I haven't this. run across that attempt either. So I think the best course is exactly what you're saying, contacting the custodian to see if they can stop it in its tracks or somehow reverse it back to you not doing it in the first place because it didn't need to be done. And if not, then we need to get the answer to the, can you recharacterize a recharacterization? Right. And, And again, I don't know, but do think about the logic behind it. When you recharacterize, that's why the IRS says you must recharacterize the amount you you want to move plus any gain minus any losses because they're going to have considered it done on the mm-hmm. original day, January in 2022. Right. They're going to consider it as if it was in the IRA and the, the traditional IRA, which he moved it to. And they're also going to consider it to have been invested in the same manner as it was in the Roth. Hence, you have to figure out, or in this case, the custodian figured out for you, any gain minus any losses. So a couple of things to learn from this, folks. First, don't wake up at 2 in the morning and and think you have to rush into anything. There's usually enough time with with limits to, to not panic like this. Second, Roth conversions do not count on the AGI limits. Good news for this listener and his girlfriend, 2023s can sit there. Don't worry about it. I'm hoping he can either undo it at the custodial level that they just Mm -hmm. pull it or Ed Slot says, no problem, Jim, you can recharacterize a recharacterization. My logic being the IRS is going to consider it being done on January of 2022. Mm -hmm. And he's still within the October 15th of this year limit. So, yeah. That's what I'm thinking because he had until October 15th to fix this. Mm-hmm. And because the IRS considers once that recharacterization paperwork is filed, they consider it to have always been contributed to an IRA in January of 2022. They have until October 15th of 2023 to recharacterize that. So why can't they recharacterize the recharacterization? I don't think there's a problem. If it was after October 15th, yes, it's yeah. too late. Yeah. I do want to so, add one little thing. There is a slight advantage sometimes to getting this recharacterization done before tax day, April 18th in 2023. And that is if the recharacterization has tax consequences, then by doing it before April 18th, you get the tax consequences figured out and you can reflect those on your tax return. Whereas if you file and then you do a recharacterization later that has a tax consequence, then you're going to need to file 
an amended return. So that's why there can be at times. Now, in his case, this was not a taxable event because recharacterizing from a Roth contribution, turning it into a non-deductible IRA contribution, there's no tax event there. Both of those are, you know, putting in tax, uh, after-tax money into those. So, but, but that's not always the case. Sometimes the recharacterization creates a taxable event for you. And so then you might, if you can, and you have all the information and you're doing it correctly, do it before the April deadline so you can reflect it on the tax return that you initially file and avoid an amended return. That's a very good point. Excellent point on that. His second part of the question, I found a lot of information on the two main options, recharacterize or withdraw, Mm -hmm. but I have not found how to choose between the two. That's probably because it's it's sometimes it won't even matter. Mm-hmm. Other times it might matter, but it's going to depend on your tax situation. Yeah. So as Chris rightly pointed out, if you take the Roth contribution, which you thought your girlfriend was not allowed to do, that's after tax dollars, and you recharacterize it to a non-deductible IRA, That tax implication is the same. You still are putting after-tax dollars in. If you withdrew those dollars, the tax implication is the same. It's Mm -hmm. tax dollars that are already after-tax. Now, there might be some, uh, on a withdrawal, some growth, because it's plus any gains, minus any losses. There might be some growth that would also be subject to taxes, but how much growth could there be on $7,000 that was removed 11 months late? Well, well, it could be, but the, in this months. particular market, um, it's likely it not, not a be, loss, but, right? But still, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's small. you probably haven't read much on which one to use because the answer is just like the trust question I answered last mm-hmm. week, it depends. Depends on your situation. It depends on your situation exactly. Sometimes the tax implication is identical. Sometimes there could be a difference. So you really have to weigh and figure out, do I want to recharacterize? Do I want to withdraw? But also recharacterizing to a traditional IRA, you just recreated, as Chris pointed out, after-tax basis in that IRA. And now it's only $7,000. It's not much. But she now has to track that forever. Well, she has to track it if she wants to get it out tax-free. If she just throws up her arms and says, I don't care if I'm double-taxed on this 7000 then she never has to track it again, honestly. Correct. Uh, that is correct. And I'm trying to think off the top of my head. God, I don't know. This is because it's a Friday morning. Um, 8806. I knew I could get it. She would have to be filing form 8806 mm-hmm. every year. And I don't want to panic this guy. You owe an 8806 for your 2022 taxes because you recharacterize. So don't forget to put an 8806. If you leave that money in, if you can't recharacterize a recharacterization, you have to file a form 8806 documenting that um, after tax Mm -hmm. basis. And she's going to have to file 8806 every time she takes money out of that IRA forever. If she wants to avoid having to pay taxes on that $7,000. Sometimes it's just easy to say to hell with it. I'm not going to, it's only 7,000. I don't want to do this. I'll pay taxes again on the seven grand. 
So the reason why you probably don't find much information on which one you should do, it depends. But don't forget 8806, uh, listener. If she keeps that money, if she doesn't recharacterize the recharacterization, she now has to file 8806. You don't have to rush. You don't, there's no deadline. Well, there is a deadline, but don't panic. You can probably file 8806 on her 2023 taxes and document mm-hmm. the basis. Yep. If you're ever questioned, you have everything right there. Right. Here's the recharacterization. Here's proof that she put it in. Here's the 8806. But you have to file Form 8806. If not, it's a $100 penalty if you don't file Form 8806. And they catch you. Most people never file it because they don't even know they have to file it. And finally, in defense of your quote-unquote cheap software, the reason it didn't flag it, Chris, is what? They were doing it right. They didn't include the Roth conversion in there, and it shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. Right. That's why it didn't flag it. It doesn't count. So your quote-unquote cheap software was, was probably correct. So anyways, interesting question, mm-hmm. and that's why I elevated that to the new question of the week, which is technically two weeks old because, mm-hmm. well, I'm out traveling and, and doing all that kind of jaunting around. Okay, this next one, I've got to find it because it's all electronic. <laughs> this was an interesting question, and it's again... Nothing we ever really explained how to do. Remember last week we had the the person who carried forward an excess contribution, mm-hmm. and in the past we just always set up. You just do it, off, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just yeah, just just go and do it off the top of our heads. We would say, just go ahead and do it. Don't worry about it. Here's another thing that we often said, and we never explained how to do. So, here's the question, and uh, this person came from. Oh, he gave a hint. P.S. Trivia question for Chris. What state was the first to offer troops to the Union cause during the Civil War? Further hint, this state was the newest state being only three years old at the time. The first state to send troops to fight for the Union in the Civil War. Hmm. Ohio? That's a good guess, but no. And the reason this is so cute, Minnesota. It's been the answer to everything. (laughs) What the heck? Minnesota again. We must be very popular in Minnesota this week. (laughs) So state of Minnesota, folks. Okay, here it is, because I do have to rush. I have a call in in eight more minutes. We've never, ever, ever explained how to do this. My wife retired from public education last year at age 55. We want to access her 403B money under the rule of 55 which obviously she qualifies for. Let me pause there. Rule of 55 real quick, folks. If you retire, not at 55 like this listener's wife did, but just in the year you turn 55, you could retire January 1st and not turn 55 until December 31st. So you're way into being just 54. 
But as long as you retire in the year you turn 55 or later or later, you can take money out of that employer's and only that employer's retirement account without having to pay the 10% early withdrawal penalty that most people have to pay if they take money out of a retirement account before age 59 and a half. That's the rule of 55, where most people get it wrong. They think they have to wait until they're 55. Nope. Most times you do. The rule of 59 and a half, you actually have to be one day over 59 and a half. But the rule of 55, you just have to be in the year. Could be January 1st of the year you turn 55. Okay. We would like to access some of her 403B money under the rule of 55, which obviously she qualifies for. What forms do we have to file to notify the IRS we are seeking this exemption? And I realized, Chris, we never explained that. I think you're right. I think you're you're right. We probably haven't. We just always said you can. You can do it. Mm -hmm. You can do it. It never really dawned on me how to tell people how to do it. Do you want to take a stab at this? You want me to do it? You may not even know either because we never really talked about it. No, you can go ahead and do it. I've got to. I'm trying to wrap up a little piece of paperwork here. But I bet bet, bet you can figure out what form you have. You don't have to file a form. You do have to notify this. Unlike the previous client who was carry forward, we say you don't have to file anything. Is it probably 8606? No, no, that, that's a good if, guess, though. 8606, if, where you document. If, but 8606 is to document um, excess contributions you didn't deduct. What form do yeah, I call the mea culpa form? It's, yeah, it's... 5329. That's a, what I was about to say, but since we just talked about that so much. Because um, that's the one where you say you've got a penalty or whatever. Right. Instead, you're going to tell them... <clears throat> Here's the form I'm supposed to file to pay a penalty, but here's the exemption why I don't have to pay it. So you file form 5329. You go to part one of 5329. What you can also do is go to the instructions, folks, uh, of form 5329. And on page four and five of the instructions... They list a bunch of exemptions. The very first exemption to the penalty, O1. I think there's 12 exemptions. I don't, this is all from memory. I don't have this in front of me. I think the very first one is the rule of 55 exemption. Then you go to the mea culpa form. There's eight sections on the form. I cannot remember. I believe it's section one, part one of the form. That's where you normally would say, hey, I'm under 59 and a half. I owe 10%. Here's how much I took out of my account. You put that down. You clearly put that down right on the 5329. But next to it, there's a box that reads, and, and it's not exact, folks. I don't have it in front of me. It says exemption code. I'm 99% sure it's exemption 01, but that is on page four and five of the instructions. If it is 01, you put zero, 01. And where it says tax due, you put a big fat zero. You sign that form and attach it to your 1040. That's how you tell the IRS, 
Yes, I am under 59 and a half. Here is the form, the mea culpa form, the form that I admit I screwed up and took money out of my retirement account when I owe a penalty. Here's the form 5329, but here's my exemption and I don't owe any taxes and you sign it and it's done. It's as easy as that. We never, ever, I don't think, explained that to people. So I thought that was an interesting thing to kind of go through. Perfect. Yeah, I mean... You know taxes, but you don't know the tax penalty. You don't know the extra tax. And that's what they treat it as. They We always call it a penalty, but it's really an extra tax that you owe. The basic taxes that you might owe by taking money out of a tax-deferred account, like a 403B or a 401K, obviously you're going to owe taxes on that. But just to be more specific. Okay. So this is probably perfect well, timing because now you can get to your call. Timing. and. Um, I do have a call in another five minutes, so I yeah. want to thank everybody. Mm-hmm. I will be back in the office, and Chris will be doing a Social Security, EDU, a Q&A or something. And well, by the uh, time talk to everybody. By the time they've heard this, they've, that's already happened. Oh, has it? All right. Well, perfect. <laughs> so, hope you liked it. I hope you yeah. liked it. I hope I and, did well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and thank you, all you Minnesotans. I mean, yeah. we've never had this trivia where the answer was Minnesota three times. So, well, the first time wasn't really Minnesota. It turned out to be no, Pennsylvania. Correct. But right. you Minnesota was mentioned an awful lot on this show. That is for sure. This is this <laughs> has been the most Minnesota-focused show we've ever had. Right. So. And did you ever find the song from Nirvana that references? Oh, I didn't look. Uh, from <laughs> no. Okay. I'll figure that out. Okay. All right, folks. Anyways, that's about it. I got to run. Chris will wrap up. Yeah. Well, we want to thank everybody for sending in questions. That's what makes the uh, show go. And... Um, uh, if you want to send in your own questions, you can do that by sending them directly to Jim. Jim at jimhelps.com is the email address. Make sure you put in the subject line that it's a question for the podcast to catch his eye. And sometimes we answer them very quickly. That that one question uh, we're, we're tackling just a few days after it came in. Uh, so you have a chance of getting it answered immediately. There's... Um, better odds that it'll be a little bit later as we go through the queue. And then obviously we don't get to every single question, but we try our best to, if we don't answer one person's specific question, we at least are confident we've answered a question substantially similar uh, to that. But uh, we really do appreciate everybody's participation in the show with those questions and uh, keep on listening. And we'll be back with you next week with a brand new show. You have listened to Jim on the radio, read his quotes in the media, and enjoyed his banter on iTunes. But even now you may wonder what sets Jim Salmier and Associates apart from other financial planning companies. The answer is quite simple. Jim's diverse team of professionals specializes in retirement planning. They form a lifelong relationship with you and measure their success not through product sales, but through the security and prosperity you may achieve in your retirement. Jim's entire team shares his unwavering commitment to placing their clients' best interests first while offering their services at fair prices with full disclosures. The professionals at Jim Saulnier & Associates are available to assist you with your retirement planning needs. Visit jimhelps.com to schedule your complimentary coffee and a second opinion meeting. That's jimhelps.com or call 970-530-0556.
The Retirement and IRA Show represents the words and views of the show hosts exclusively and should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical in nature and is not indicative of any future results. Any indices mentioned on the show are unmanaged and cannot be invested indirectly. Diversification and asset allocation strategies do not assure profit or protect against loss. Never make any investment or financial decisions based on information offered on this show without first consulting your financial, legal, or tax advisor. Financial planning services offered through Jim Solnier & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 